Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. But most of all, folks, just tell someone you're listening to Lamestream Sports and they should too. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit later on what we're watching this weekend. Of course, brought to you by Jaspers, their weekend sports menu. Uh, I have a new, there's some new menu items, one of which is a dessert that is as close to food porn as I've ever seen in an email sent by Jaspers showing people their new dessert. It is extraordinary. I'll tell you about it later, and we'll tell you what we're watching this weekend because Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers, always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. John Glennon going to join us today on the show, longtime Nashville reporter for a variety of different outlets. He is now with the Nashville Post uh, and, of course, is going to cover, I think he's like just ridiculously qualified for that job because Nashville SC is now a part of it. He is a huge soccer fan. He can actually speak to the technical side of soccer. Uh, he's covered the Preds for a very long time and the Titans for a very long time. So I think the post, the post got a great asset in John Glennon. So we're going to talk about the differences between the Titans and the Preds and their rebuilds right now. We'll talk about the draft and Will Levis and Rand Carthon and all kinds of stuff and, and maybe soccer coverage coming up in the market as well. So a lot of good stuff. Uh, with John Glennon. Uh, we have a recommendation for you later on, a combo rec coming up later on the pod. Um, however, I want to quickly touch on some draft numbers, Steve, from the weekend that we that kind of have been floating around. Um, there were about 300 and some change thousand people in attendance at the Kansas City draft. It's now been traveling for about eight or nine years. Uh, no one has come close to Nashville. Nashville had 600,000 people attend the draft. Nobody has done more than 330, 340,000 people. Uh, it's not even close. And Kansas City had a pretty cool setup, Steve. Like they had that big outside. It kind of looked like a send amphitheater to some degree with like a big pond in the middle. I thought they did a pretty good job with it. Uh, but it still pales, pales in comparison from an attendance standpoint to what Nashville delivered a few years ago. I mean, some of that has to do with distance off the East Coast. I mean, this is why Nashville is the the bachelorette capital of the world, because <laughs> they are within five hours of so many different major metros. And you, you are a non-connecting uh, flight, you're a direct flight away from, uh, you know, from the, virtually the entire East Coast of the United States. Uh, and so it makes it so easy for people to get here that. It's why the tourism industry has done what it's done. It's why the bachelorette industry has done what it's done. And and so when you throw events in Nashville and make a big deal out of them, holy shit, people show up for it. So uh, and I actually overinflated some of those numbers. Uh, Chicago in 2015, 200,000. Chicago in 2016, 225,000. Philadelphia in 2017, 250,000. Dallas, 200,000. Nashville, 600,000. Cleveland. Aw, 160,000. Uh, Las Vegas, 300,000. And Kansas City actually at number two on the list at 312,000 in terms of attendance. So just dwarfing every other city. You know what I get out of that list? Dallas sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and Cleveland is, meh. <laughs> Not Cleveland's, a to... Cleveland, Cleveland's a fine place to be. Dallas sucks. For a weekend. <laughs> Uh, also, viewership up 12% year over year in terms of TV viewers. 54 million people watching the NFL draft. It is its own sport, people. It is its was, own sport. And was really glad to see friend of the pod, Matt Miller, on day three, yep. on on camera, 
you know, just just serving up takes. It was great. It was yes, so much he, fun. Yes, and I and knowing Matt the way I do, for him to be sitting, I, I'm sure he walked off that set sitting next to Todd McShay and Mel Kiper, being like, "What on earth just happened to me?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, T's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, we're gonna go a little deeper into that broadcast so, coming up in a, coming up a couple of weeks. So little 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 helmet tacular maybe little maybe. tease little maybe. tease. Uh, just stay tuned. Stay tuned on the on the pod here. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Go to Jasper's. All that great stuff. Um, all right. Great recommendation from both of us coming up, uh, if we do say so ourselves. Uh, but again, a lot of conversation about the draft, the changing of general managers for both the Preds and the Titans, how fans are different. Uh, Rand Carthon, Will Levis covering Nashville SC, his new role at the Nashville Post. So a lot of really good stuff here. Uh, this was our conversation with the great John Glennon. John, welcome to the show. Brand new Nashville Post sports reporter. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, all right. First question. How excited are you to be writing and covering a professional soccer team in Nashville, Tennessee? <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, you know, I'll be covering, uh, obviously, I'll be covering Nashville SC and Titans and Predators and everything else going on in Nashville. But yeah, in, in particular, I'm excited about soccer. Because uh, that, that's uh, actually really my background. You know, I, I started playing soccer when I was uh, when I was five years old, and I'm I'm still playing in an over fifty league, believe it or not, right now, which is the reason I have this actually. Um, but that's a, um, that's a, that's for, a cast. for those of you listening at that's home, a, he has a cast on this. <laughs> on this is, hand. I, I do have, have have a cast, and and uh, oddly enough, for a sport that isn't played with the hands, I managed to break <laughs> my hand and tear ligaments and another another finger doing that. So there's oh. that, but. That's because, um, yeah, it's, years, it's because it's because gravity still works, even though you're older. Yeah, 50. crazy, crazy enough. I, I, I thought it stopped <laughs> after a while, but not not the case. Uh, um, but yeah, very excited about soccer. You know, I haven't had really had a chance to write about it. Just hadn't had the the platform. It's it's been kind of purely Titans and Predators uh, recently. But uh, excited to do a little, little soccer. Rocked out my my first soccer story the other day for the Nashville Post. All right. So why the Nashville Post? Why was this the the job where you get to again you get to do things like soccer? You obviously have covered the Titans and the Preds for a long time. We'll get to both of those organizations going through a lot of changes right now. But um, the National Post and the National Scene, I obviously am partial. We have a relationship with them. Uh, Steve has a lot of history with the organization as well. Um, what is it about this particular role that interested you? Well, I think you hit on it. I, I think it's it's variety. You know, where where some of the more recent jobs I've had. Uh, you know, I've been kind of strictly Titans or strictly Predators. Um, this this gives me a variety every day, you know, kind of what's hot, what's trending, what's happening. Uh, you know, whether that's Titans or Predators, you know, that'll, that'll probably be occupying the, the bulk of my writings. But certainly, as we've talked about, there'll be Nashville FC, you know, there'll be some Vanderbilt, uh, you know, whether, whether it's Tennessee State, Belmont, Lipscomb, uh, you know, or, or whether it's just the, you know, local athletes who grew up here and, and are excelling, maybe you know, on the pro or college level now, there, there's all kinds of opportunities um, that are that are open right now. And, you know, I, I, I get to, to write about all that and, and uh, you know, do multiple stories a day. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to get going here. You've done a lot of writing for uh, the SI vertical uh, that was here that kind of exploded. <laughs> right. Uh, We'll charitably say exploded uh, here a few months ago. Let's talk a little bit about the difference there. I mean, when you're writing as a freelancer for some for for an outlet like that, you have to be very conscious of the 
clicks that may happen on the other end of that story versus at a subscription site like the post i mean your mandate is to is to is to kind of inform the the that audience that is that is a sports audience kind of within what is essentially a business publication uh and so th- it becomes a completely different sort of ball game there i think that that's very fair yeah you know on on the si front um I, I think that's what they were moving toward uh is, is you know hey whatever gives us clicks you know if this is you know uh, a player x with a, a nifty instagram post hey let's get a story up about that and, and do it in a hurry or or you know if uh um you know a, a player x just bought a a new pet and, and he's showing it off on on twitter hey let's get a story up on that because why you know people are people are dying to you know, the, to see these things and they're, they're going to click on it briefly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like this gig a little better in that, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily so consumed with, with, um, I guess the low hanging fruit is, is the, you know, is the, is the best way to put it. Um, you know, you, you can do a little bit more education. Uh, you can, you can go into a little bit more analysis and you, and you don't have that fear um or or that uh, knowledge hanging over your head that hey if this doesn't get a million clicks uh you know uh, something something's an issue here so uh really looking forward to that you know it, it was interesting when i talked with um you know Stephen Elliott um at the at the post uh and and i kind of asked him uh, you know do we have access to to metrics and so forth and and see what kind of stories are are working uh, and so forth he said well really you know, we're we're kind of more interested in in what happens with our daily email blasts to our readers. You know, and as you mentioned, that's what your your focus is on much more towards the subscribers uh, and and informing as as opposed to you know kind of grabbing whatever is uh, trending for whatever reason out there. I'm curious. There's a there's a chicken or the egg thing here with if you don't provide people with good quality information. You know they're not going to read it, but do they really want it? We're not really sure, and so we we certainly know that there is like a TikTokification of like our brains when it comes to consuming content. But if we don't ever try to give people really good stuff, really thoughtful, in depth stuff, then you know we we can't really complain if people don't want to click on it. So wh- where do you do you think there's an appetite long term? That that we're just gonna as a society eventually continue to push back on sort of like hey we need some stuff with calories we like good quality stuff with good nutritional content do you think we I mean the you've been at the athletic which has a very similar model to that like what what are your thoughts on the big picture trends of consumption of sports content yeah I I certainly hope that's the case that the the appetite still exists out there and and I think to me what what I kind of feel about the Nashville Post job is a little bit of a uh, a, a blending um, there, and, and the reason I say that is, is because you know a, a lot of the stories I'll put out for the post, um, you know, aren't aren't necessarily going to be you know long form or, or or too lengthy in general. You know, I'll probably be doing multiple posts per day. Uh, so in that respect, you know, um, we're we're kind of uh, a plan to the to the. A reader or subscriber now that doesn't necessarily want to spend 20 minutes, you know, on an article, even if it's good, even if it's uh, uh, in depth. Um, but but I like the fact too that this kind of makes you uh, more efficient. You've got to get that message across. You've got to get that good analysis across in you know kind of the the, the proper 
form that that readers are going to uh, stick with it, realize it's something good, and it's still not going to occupy 15, 20 minutes of their day. So I, I've kind of enjoyed that challenge so far. As I say, you're not you're not going to spend a day or two days in most cases. Now, from time to time, you know, we'll have some of that longer form type article. But I think for for the most part, right now, doing short, but but still, we want to provide that quality analysis, that quality message as well. I'm interested in in that piece of it because the the value of hiring somebody like you is uh, you've had a long time kind of in this market. You're familiar with the teams and the players and the and more importantly, you know, kind of the the administrative structures around these teams. You're an interesting hire because it gives them a chance to it gives them a chance to to be able to turn around and say say oh and here's an analysis piece on X or Y or Z. I'm interested in the flip side of that is, is you have to kind of be aware of all things now, uh, as opposed to kind of like just like, just like honing in on that beat. How how are you kind of consuming stuff on a daily basis, and how are you kind of uh, and and how are you kind of keeping your eyes on kind of like every franchise and and, and college in town right now? Yeah, it, it is going to be an interesting transition for me. Uh, you know, I what I what I like most about it is is that I think I'll be doing the the bulk of my stories on on the Titans and on the Predators. And as you mentioned, you know, I've got decades of experience, uh, you know, on on both those fronts, and 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 that's what I can bring to the readers, you know. Uh, in terms of analysis, um, but like, yeah, in, in terms of a, of a Nashville SC, for instance, um, you know, I, I was writing kind of my first Nashville SC story the the other day, and I still felt, and I, I know Nashville SC is is in its fourth season and so forth, but I still felt a, a little bit of a need to kind of be explanatory, I, I guess, in some ways, just because you know, soccer isn't the major league soccer isn't isn't rooted here. It reminded me of some of the stories I wrote. For some of the predators in the earlier years, where where you're still explaining a little bit some of the nuts and bolts of of how the league works, how the team works, etc. Um, in addition to to getting across that message as well. Uh, but as I say, I'm looking forward to, to Nashville SC, and I'm I'm also looking forward to to growing in in my knowledge of you know people that grew up in in Nashville that are that are excelling. You know whether it's uh, Major League Baseball now, or or, or whether it's in uh, you know NBA, uh, you know whatever league you have it. I think that 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 knowledge is you know uh, a, a work in progress because I've been more focused on Titans and Predators over the years. But you know I, I wrote a story on on uh, uh, Robbie Ray uh, you know the other day the uh, the Brentwood born uh, Cy Young Award winner who you know is now unfortunately after the season with Toronto. Uh, and, I, and I found myself thinking as I wrote it, you know, here's the kind of story I, I never would have written in, in years previous just because I was so focused um, on, uh, uh, you know, Titans or Predators. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to gaining that knowledge of, of, of people that, that are excelling from Nashville. And I, and I talked to both, uh, you know, David Beauclair and Michael Gallagher, my predecessors at this job. And I said, you know, is there some giant list that exists somewhere of, of Nashville-born athletes that are excelling that I can just look at every day, you know, and 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 create some sort of a checklist. Okay, who's excelling? Who's doing something now? I'm not sure that exists right now. So that that my my list is uh, is is growing as we speak. I, I think. Uh, wait, wait. That's the John Glennon jinx. I think. Right. Just go, go ahead and go ahead and write about. Just write the long one about Jalen Ramsey right now, and we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. I I, I think I remember Beauclair one time telling me like. 
I mean, I think it was in triple digits, like the number of Google alerts he had set up on, <laughs> on, on different people and different things that like, you know, in case, in case like, you know, some, some middle reliever who's in the triple A in the, in the <laughs> Oakland system farted that, uh, that he had, he at least had, he at least had eyes on it. What's Blake okay. Jeffrey on doing these days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to write a lot exactly. of Colin Al- Allred uh, stories here over the next. Uh... <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, you know, you're exactly right, uh, Steve, because I remember from time to time, you know, back uh, back then, um, you know, when David would go, maybe go on vacation, you know, there, there were a couple of times I, I filled in on him, uh, filled in for him. Uh, and, and I'm saying, OK, David, you know, what, what do I need to uh, to look out for? Uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden he'd, he'd produced this list of, of, like you say, like, you know, 50 different things that might be going on. I'm like, like David, why don't, why don't we kind of streamline this a little bit? I'm, I'm going to be filling in for, you know, about, about two or three days. I, I don't think, you know, uh, uh, Brant Snedeker or, or uh, you know, Joseph Newgarden is is going to, uh, you know, do anything that spectacular in the next two or three days that I have to be all encompassing. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to, uh, to, to gain that, uh, that knowledge here. What, what is the difference between the Tennessee Titans fan and the Nashville Predators fan? Yeah, um, I, I I think you know Titans are obviously the the NFL team, you know, and and you know we know here that that NFL is is such a a passion and and people have been so interested in it for so long um, that I think. You know, there, there's a a knowledge of the game and a knowledge of the Titans that is is pretty heightened. You know, and and as a, as a result, you know, I I think they're expecting a, a pretty high level of an analysis, uh, a pretty high level of of intelligence on on what you're reporting on, um, be, because it's so ingrained. Football is so ingrained in in most people's you know systems around here. Um, you know, and I think Predators. Has certainly grown to in, in leaps and bounds over the years from from when I first started covering the team, you know, back in in the expansion years. But I still think you know it's it's not the athletes that come into the NHL and the and the sport in general is not necessarily something that uh, that that fans here grew up with. You know, you, you don't see the 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 young hockey athletes every Saturday, uh, you know, playing college sports before they get to the to the pro ranks. So I, I think, you know, in, in some ways, two things with the Predators stand out. You, you have to you have to sell personality a little bit more with the with the Predators, I think, than you do with the Titans. People, you know, a lot of times people are already so familiar with the players, so familiar with what they've done. You know, they don't need a, a ton of, of background all the time. You need to sell that with, with the Predators. You need to, to bring people in based on, on who this guy is, what he likes, what what he does. And once they know the guy, I think they're a little bit more ingrained in, in, in the sport. Uh, so I, I think we end up doing that a little bit more with the Predators. And then I think another uh, another difference that's fairly obvious too. You know, Titans have their six or seventeen week schedule. Predators have an eighty two game schedule. And I think if you're if you're not an intense fan, sometimes you can just kind of get lost in and like you know, uh, you know, what, what some might consider a, a mind numbing amount of, of games in the schedule schedule. So, you know, you have to, I think you have to be clear about, you know, friends, what's, what's happening, you know, what, what's, what's hot, who, who's excelling at, at particular times, why the team has lost, you know, four out of five, why the team has won five out of seven. I, I think, 
you know, it, it can glaze people's eyes over sometimes if, if you're not especially uh, attuned to what's going on with the Predators there. No one has ever referred to the mind-numbing schedule of the NHL quite as uh, nicely as you just did. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I still, uh, speaking of mind-numbing, I can still remember actually back to my first year, you know, as I said, covering the Predators when they were in their their first year. Uh, and, and you know, the Tennessean uh, obviously had never covered the NHL as a, as a beat before, and I had never covered uh, the NHL as a beat before. So, I think everybody assumed it was it was a little bit like football. It was kind of like, okay, John, go off and cover this cover the season, you know, just as you would in in, in football or you know college basketball or college football or whatever. Um, and so uh, I did that year, and I covered all eighty two games. There was no there was no backup writer uh, in, in in those days. There was no okay, we're not going on the road for these three you know road trips or whatever. So I, I realized. You know, at first I thought this was every what every you know hockey writer did, uh, and then as I realized, and I was talking to people going throughout the the season, and they're asking me like who my backup guy is, or you know which which games I'm I'm taking on. I'm like well, none, you know I don't I don't have a a backup, and and you know as far as I know, I'm covering all 82 games, and the you know there was some 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 eye opening uh, in, <laughs> involved there, and so I, I I realized that yeah, as you say, mind numbing uh, can can be the the yeah. uh, the phrase to describe the schedule at times. We had we had Mike Herndon on here last week. We were talking about uh, Titans in the draft and and uh, kind of the reaction of Titans fans. Uh, what's what's been what's been kind of your perception of of how Titans fans have viewed this draft? Yeah, I I don't know if I could say there's a lot of standing on the table and cheering um, <laughs> uh, for for the draft would be my way of saying it's it's interesting to me too that a lot of you know bigger national outlets are grading uh, uh, and praising the Titans draft more so than, than some of the local fans uh, are here. Uh, and, and I think, you know, there, there's kind of two reasons for that, and, and they sort of go hand in hand a little bit. Uh, number one, of course, is the drafting of, of Kentucky quarterback Will Levis uh, in the second round. And, you know, that that is a guy, obviously, when you're drafting somebody from the SEC, that's somebody that, that fans in this neck of the woods have seen on a, on a regular basis. You're not drafting, you know, C.J. Stroud or, or you know, somebody from the, 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 the Pac-12 or whatever. And, and you know, I think local fans here are looking back over, over the games they saw Will Levis, especially in 2022, and they're saying, I'm not seeing too much wow factor there, you know. And there are all kinds of variables, of course, involved. You know, the personnel around him, the offensive coordinator, the injuries. At the same time, you know, as they say, you don't see those games where you said, now that's the guy I want to see, you know, quarterbacking for the for the Titans in future years. Maybe you saw a few of those more in 2021 than, than you did in 2022. But I think there's a lot of hesitation based on the on the drawbacks and, and especially when the, the numbers he put up in the, the games against local teams, UT and Vandy in 2022, not good. <laughs> You know, not good. So I, I think that's what, to me, what was going through a lot of fans' mind. And then the, the other second factor that kind of goes hand in hand with that, obviously, is that when you moved up to take Will Levis, you know, you're surrendering picks. You would have been at 41, you know, at 72. All of a sudden you move up to 33 and you get Will Levis, who, 
as far as the Titans are concerned, hopefully is their is their quarterback of the future. But you've given up a lot of chances to pick up a wide receiver, and you need a wide receiver or two or three. And the next time you come up, all of a sudden is what eighty one or eighty two, and seven more wide receivers have gone off the board, and there's a big drop off in talent. You know, all of a sudden you're you're not picking up a wide receiver until the seventh round. So those are the two kind of key spots that I see where where Titans fans are going. I'm not so sure. Vanderbilt Twitter losing its mind over the Titans uh, drafting Levis based on a terrible performance against Vanderbilt is one of the funniest things I've seen in no, a long it's, time. It's, it's not even the funniest SEC Twitter from Friday night. Tennessee Twitter, <laughs> Tennessee Volunteers Twitter. It, like it is it, the reason, and there are a lot of them that are Titans fans, and I've said this on every show this week. The reason Tennessee Volunteers fans don't like Will Levis as Titans fans has nothing to do with football. It has everything to do with their guy not getting as much love by the NFL scouts as Will Levis. And that's it. It's all personal. It's their 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 feelings are hurt because Hendon Hooker is not viewed as good of a prospect as Will Levis is. And there's really like there's nothing else more to it than that. They beat they beat Will Levis's ass. <laughs> like you're no, you're that's an excellent point. Also, one what I should have I should have mentioned also that is is part of the you know, uh, kind of disgruntlement or, or frustration over Will Levis as well. Very good point. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker, you know, puts up unbelievable uh, numbers. And, and of course, you know, you, you hear from the various scouts and analysts and so forth. Okay, how much of that was related to the system as, as opposed to related to Hooker? Which, side note, why don't you just run the same system uh, and, and let Hooker put up the same? <laughs> but, but that's another story altogether. Be, be, because, um, college box, because college box scores right. do not directly translate to the NFL. I don't know why we need to tell people this. Like, I feel yeah, like that's yeah, a, right, a, right. A, a oh, thing apparently that so. But, but, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of Vols fans that, that looked at, at the numbers, looked at what Hooker did. You know, a guy who, you know, may well have been the, the Heisman Trophy winner if, if he didn't get hurt and say, hey, you know, why? Why isn't uh, Why isn't Hendon Hooker better? You know, why don't you pick Hendon Hooker? It makes it makes perfect sense. And you know, I, I get that uh, based on the on the numbers and the and the success. Uh, you know, if you look at the, the game that Will Levis had in twenty twenty one against Tennessee, that was you know one of his best, if not his best, yep. big yep. time college games. Um, but but last year, mm, you yeah, know, they, if that's the freshest memory you have. They they memory they they totally memory hold the the twenty twenty one game <laughs> where he had four hundred plus yards of offense and five total touchdowns and scored right. 42, 42 points. Anyway, anyway, I, this I, is I not had a, I had I had Kentucky fans like uh, on the uh, on that point texting me saying saying our offensive coordinator last year was literally a poop emoji. <laughs> right. Well, uh, and on that uh, close you know, friend that point, of Rand Carthons, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But but I do think that that is a significant factor that you mentioned, Steve, yeah. the offensive yeah. coordinator. You know, Liam Cohen is a guy with NFL experience. Now, uh, you know, clearly, you know, worked some wonders with with Will Levis and when he was gone in 22, a completely different story. And and that, again, you know, points to maybe a more promising future for, for Will Levis and the pros, too, because Liam Cohen, of course, came from the Rams, eventually went back to the Rams. And what kind of system, uh, you know, do, do the Rams use in the NFL? You know, that's all part of the. You know, the, the Shanahan, the Sean McVay tree is, is very similar, uh, of course, to, to what they run, you know, with the Titans. And and hopefully, as far as the Titans are concerned, that that brings a smoother transition. Well, if it was all about statistics, then Will Rogers would be the number one quarterback taken in next year's draft uh, at a Mississippi <laughs> State. 
uh, Chris Leak and Aaron Murray and Tim Couch would all be Hall of Famers in the NFL. Uh, but it's actually it's actually a really good illustration of your earlier point where we know so much about these people before they get to the NFL. This right. is a situation where they know too much <laughs> about right. about both these guys. Uh, I, I'm curious. The Preds and the, and the Titans are going through similar styles of like big sort of sweeping changes. They're both changing general managers. Um, certainly there's a new offensive coordinator for the Titans and a new system that's going in place there. They drafted a new quarterback. But you've got Barry Trotz taking over. And you got Rand Carthon taking over two very different strategies from the two different franchises with two very different ownership structures. So compare and contrast how those two teams have gone through this very similar process, and and what are the differences and what are the similarities in your mind? Yeah, I think certainly the similarity is is just uh, you know kind of a, a a gradual overhaul of of teams that have had success but have stumbled here recently, not had that same kind of success and realizing that, okay, we've, we've got the core uh, of players that have excelled for us that we've relied on, but it's time to, to freshen things up. It's, it's time to start making that change. Uh, you know, and, and that, you know, the most obvious, um, you know, example for me in, in that is, is, is the Will Levis pick. Um, you know, I, I think when the, when the Titans entered the draft, you're looking at two glaring needs, right? For this team, you're looking at offensive line and you're looking at wide receiver. You're not looking at an immediate glaring need at quarterback. You've got Ryan Tannehill there for at least another year. But I think the Titans, what, what they are, are saying basically in that pick of Will Levis is like looking to the future a little bit more is, is right now more important than, than getting that wide receiver for this year's team. Uh, you know, so I, I think that's one clear example, and, and that's an illustration of Rand Carthon's message that that he was sending. That you know, it, it, it's time to to change. And you and you look at the offensive line, drafting Peter Skaronski is is a big building block towards that future as well. And that whole offensive line is going to be overall. We're going to see all kinds of of, of change there uh, as well. Um, Predators, you know, I I, I think you know. Certainly, I'm not the first to say it. Um, you know, I think the argument could be made that that perhaps, you know, this this was a, a year later than maybe we should have seen the, the big overhaul for the Predators. But nonetheless, when when uh, when David Poyle realized changes had to be made, he certainly did make the changes. You know, there you know there there have been plenty of criticism for David Poyle's moves, some of the bigger moves in the last few years. But I think on this rebuild, I you know I I think he certainly got it right. He went after it uh, big time. And in terms of the, you know, kind of the prospects, you know, picked up and the draft picks he, he picked up, but, you know, so obviously we saw the departure, you know, of, of some, some veterans, you know, Ekholm, Granlin, Niederreiter, uh, you know, others as well. And and we're seeing now a lot of these young guys that are, that are really pushing, pushing. And I, I'm really interested to see where things go here because we saw so much talent and, and you know, guys like, whether it's Novak, uh, Glass, you know, Tomasino, Parson, and uh, Luke Evangelista, um, you know, and, and there are more guys coming. You know, when you look at Kemmel, uh, played this year in Milwaukee, a former first round draft pick. Uh, he's on his way as well. And and at some point, you know, Askarov is going to be here in, in goal as well. So I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing some similarities in, in terms of these rebuilds and, and kind of this young talent that's coming forward. And I should mention, and I sort of wrote about this the other day too. One of the key questions for the Preds in that regard is is Ryan Johansson, you know, a, a veteran who's certainly been part of this big core, the Predators that had made eight straight trips to the playoffs before this year. 
but he's going to be coming off an injury. You know, he's, he's not a young guy. The numbers have declined a little bit lately, too. So he's a very interesting case to me as well. Uh, you know, as, as these young guys are coming through, are they going to push, push, push Johansson out right away? We'll, we'll, we'll see. When you write about the differences, because I think the ownership structure is the biggest difference. I think you have Amy Adams Strunk making singular decisions, firing a general manager in the middle of a season, very unusual way. And then the other side of it, you have a group of owners that don't really have a voice or singular decision maker and sort of allowing David Poyle to keep it in-house, keep it in the family, hire his own guy, sort of, so to speak. How do you analyze the decision to make the transitions through the lens of the ownership structures. Yeah, you know, to me, and, and I'm I'm probably in the in the minority on on this, uh, you know, but I I just thought John Robinson. To me, I got a a raw deal uh, in that situation, and, and I know that that a lot of moves were were obviously questioned, and for good reason, and some drafts were were questioned too. But to me, I I think you know when when you've been the uh, the guy in charge. And your franchise has had six straight winning seasons, uh, you know, and, and gone to the playoffs in three or four years. You know, I, I think the big picture has to give you a longer leash uh, in that regard. And even if you've made mistakes, big mistakes, you know, I, I, I think John Robinson should have been allowed a longer time. And to me, I, I, you know, I, I really think that was such a, a gut reaction to me uh, on the part of Amy Adams Strunk after that Philadelphia game when A.J. Brown uh, lit up the Titans. I think there had to be so much emotion. And and I, to me, you know, I, I won't argue again that, that John Robinson had made mistakes, but to me, I, I just think that was, uh, that was more of an impulse reaction. And, and when you compare what John Robinson had done with other general managers around the league, you know, to me, that, that was not the, not the way to go immediately. And, and as you, uh, again, you're, you're right in the, in the contrast there, what the predators have been is very, very patient. You know whether it's David Poyle uh, and and the job he had done for for decades, or David Poyle with his coaches. You know, and and he was always very, very patient. You know, some some might say uh, too patient at times. It'll be interesting to see what the change in ownership uh, for the for the predators. You know how how things go at that point when Haslam comes in. Is he more likely to say? Okay, you know, I, I'm more of a, a bottom line guy. You know, I'm not coming in with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the general manager as as the as the previous owners did, who came in with a general manager who had basically, in a lot of ways, done his part to help save this franchise. You know, and and I think that previous ownership group looked at David Poyle and some of the things he did uh, and said, "Hey, you're you're the man. We're, we're not going to mess with you. You know, you keep this job until you're ready to go." Well, that won't be the case necessarily with. With uh, you know, with Haslam, uh, so we'll we'll see if if the decision making changes a little bit uh, at that point. Amy Adams uh, Strunk w- was sitting in the war room uh, on draft night, uh, and, and when they when they made the when they made the first round pick, you know, you saw her shaking hands with uh, with uh, with coaching staff and uh, general manager staff. I can't imagine Herb Fritsch or uh, or Bill Haslam <laughs> sitting sitting next to Trots on 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 draft night here, which I which is going to be here, um, and 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 doing the same. Can you? I think they'd probably be more likely to uh, to you know be in the stands actually and wearing a Predators jersey and and lifting a cold beer and and uh, and toasting, but. Yeah, I, I think I'll go. I'll, I'll go back to my last point. I, I think 
you know, uh, when when this group of owners took uh, took control for the Predators, you know, David Poyle was, was certainly, uh, you know, in, in the midst of a long prime for him, uh, you know, and the track record that he had in creating the franchise in helping to keep that franchise here. You know, I, I, I think, you know, and, and, and a lot of these owners were obviously newcomers to the entire sport. So I, I think a lot of them didn't feel right about, you know, we, even if it was years later saying, hey, we've had enough of you. You know, it, it's time to go. I, I think there was kind of so much, you know, uh, respect built up uh, over the years for what David Boyle had done. I don't think that there was that that need or that desire even to have that over the shoulder. Hey, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Uh, football, as, as we discussed, everybody feels like they're an expert on football. Yeah. Right. So yeah. uh, and then that extends to ownership uh, as well. I, I just want John Hines and Barry Trotz after they select a goaltender in the first round to to turn to the cameras <laughs> and wave at everybody. That's what, that's that's what I want. I want John Hines trolling the fans because they drafted a goaltender in the first round with one right, of their 47 right. picks. Um, I, I'm curious what you think summers will be like in a sports coverage standpoint. We're going to have Will Levis coming in for rookie camp. You've got the Preds going through one of the biggest drafts of all time. But Nashville SC is sort of the sport that happens in the summer. Part of the reason that, you know, I'm a I'm a season ticket holder is I want to take my kids to events on Saturdays and when they're out of school. And so I, I'm curious where you think what does the summer months look like? Because the NFL never ends. SEC media days are coming to Nashville this year. Like, I'm just curious what you think. How how your coverage breaks up and how much Nashville SC can weasel its way in because it is a sort of the the middle point of a long season, but it's the only thing actually going on in the city. Yeah, I'm I'm curious myself to kind of find out what response um, you know Nashville stories are are getting as well. I have no idea really. Uh, you know, you, you look at at every game and there's you know twenty twenty five thirty thousand people in the stands. Uh, and you're saying that, that's a lot of support. You know, that's that's one of the, the most well attended you know teams in in MLS. Um, does that translate? You know, I, I don't know yet uh, to to what we're writing about. Are are there a lot of uh, diehard uh, soccer fans that that want to keep track on a, on a regular basis of Nashville SC? I don't know. I I hope so. You know, the I I, I love as I say, I love soccer. I, I enjoy writing about soccer, and I, I'd love to do more. So we'll we'll see how you know kind of the feedback goes and and. Um, you know, uh, hopefully I'll be able to do uh, quite a bit. But as you say, yeah, there, there's always the tides already. We're looking to for, forward to, you know, to, to rookie mini camp here in a few weeks when we'll, we'll get a first uh, chat with uh, with level Will Levis and, and there's OTAs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then, yeah, the development camp with the Predators when we're going to see a lot of these prospects or some of them anyway that, that we've been talking so much about. And, and a guy like uh, Joakim Kemmel, you know, may, may, may be out there as, as well. So um it's it's uh, i'm sure it'll be different here during the summer for me than than uh you know wall-to-wall teams playing games all the time but i i think with the number of options that are out there i i'm not going to get bored uh any anytime <laughs> soon i don't believe a, a grand prix in there as well by the way so well there is that yes yeah, so I'll, I'll be brushing up on my grand prix free knowledge <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm interested do, do you think uh with, with carthon here for a few months now what do you think what do you think the access uh issues are going to be like talking to him versus versus Robinson and do you think do you think this is going to be potentially more open uh now that he's got his first draft class kind of under his belt or 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 are you thinking 
that this is going to be the same kind of you know less than less than full access kind of kind of place that it has been yeah in, in terms of general manager access i don't necessarily and it's still very early i don't i don't necessarily get the idea that we're getting you, you know that we'll see and hear more from Rand Carthen than, than John Robinson. I don't necessarily think he's going to be the the Jerry Jones uh, who, who has his own press conference after every game uh, of, of every season, which is which is one way to go about it. Um, but I, you know, I, I do kind of like in in terms of um, at, at least what we've seen from him in terms of his his uh, his job responsibilities and so forth. You know, I I've kind of enjoyed the fact that. He seems to be an aggressive guy too, like John Robinson was. Didn't always work out, um, but I think more often than than not, I, I think you can make a case for John Robinson. And Rand Carthen certainly has started out in in a similar vein. You know, he certainly hadn't been afraid to to move on from some veterans. Uh, and as we all saw at the draft, he certainly wasn't uh, afraid to move up, surrender some picks, and and say, "That's my guy. That's my quarterback of the future." Whether that works or not, well, we'll, we'll see. But he, he certainly stepped up to the plate. In, in terms of access to, to sort of your original question, one thing that, that sort of bothered me at times about access to the general manager for the Titans is a lot of times you get more access to the general manager away from Nashville than you do. A lot of times the, the quotes from Rand Carthen or, or any general manager, whether it was John Robinson or whoever, was in, you know, with the owners meetings, whether that was in, you know, in Florida or Arizona or it's at the Combine in, in Indianapolis or it's at the Senior Bowl uh, in, in Alabama, which I understand maybe kind of rewarding some of the media, you know, the, the few media that, that can make it out there. For the most part, you know, the, the vast majority of media aren't making those trips all around the country. I, from, from my standpoint, I would like to see a little bit more access to the general manager regularly here in Nashville, you know, where, where more of the local media can translate that message than, than what we've seen in, in previous years, where it's more often you have to travel several states in order to speak to the general manager. Well, I, I certainly think Rand is a uh, far more of a people person and more easy communicator and probably does not view himself as a football coach the way John Robinson uh, viewed himself standing on the practice field with a whistle and a chaw. Uh, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think Rand may be a little bit more distant during practice, but we'll see. That'll be fun to watch here coming up over the course of the summer. John, congrats on the gig, man. Really appreciate your time. I think, uh, I'm not trying to be your agent here, but I think you're perfectly suited for the job. And I think I hope to hear more details about soccer formations coming up from the Nashville Post and everything. So um, we I'll appreciate- advise them on how not to break their hands during soccer games. That's <laughs> my, 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 my first tip to the guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank but, you, John. Well, I, I appreciate it. Guys. I'm really looking forward to the job and, and uh, uh, you know working with you guys uh, as well from time to time. And appreciate you having me on. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always, always, always brought to you by Jaspers. All right. Uh, we're going to tell everybody what we're watching this weekend because there's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and frankly, uh, as part of our ratings conversation, I wanted to touch on uh, the NBA and what the NBA playoffs are doing. I do have a question for you about playoff hockey and and, and basketball in a second. Uh, but my God, blueberry cheesecake Sunday from Jaspers. Are you kidding me? I sent Steve the photo as soon as I got it in my email, I've never texted you a picture of food in my life. This is the first <laughs> time I've ever done this. It is one of the most delicious looking things I have ever seen in a in a photograph in my life. I mean, blueberry, sure, cheesecake, uh-huh. great. 
Sunday just injected into my veins. I'm 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 here for all of those words. All it of those is, words. It is so it looks so delicious. So go to Jasper's, go to the menu, go check it out. They got some new new items there. Um so quickly, I got a question for you. Um obviously I'm I'm losing a lot of sleep watching Connor McDavid these days and his buddy Leon uh for the Oilers. I, I just they're so much fun to watch. It's tough not to stay up and watch them, but it's really affecting Fun not watching Nathan McKinnon though, isn't it? <laughs> or or Brad Marchand. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's <laughs> what's funny is like, and I'm curious what you think. So the NBA, uh, the Warriors Kings, which is a, obviously a huge game, Game Seven on ABC, drew the largest audience for an N- NBA playoff first round game in 24 years. Uh, it peaked at 11.9 million. It averaged 9.8 million, which is the national championship game for the women, which is what also is a credit to what the national championship women did again at 9.8 million people, the most watched first round NBA playoff game uh, in 24 years. I I'm watching lots of NBA playoffs and lots of NHL playoffs. I love this time of year. Cause you just sort of alternate and you know, there's like two or three good series going on every single night, but I'm curious, like the regular seasons aren't watched by anybody. <laughs> and the no, post seasons are so incredibly juicy. They're I don't not know what they're not watched, but well, that they're not watched outside of their respective fan bases. They don't they don't pull big national numbers, but people I mean, I mean, this is true of almost anything. When there are stakes involved, it creates added tension. It creates it, it creates a a necessity to watch as opposed to, oh, that would be nice. When when Steph Curry drops fifty on someone in the in the you know in a in a, a pivotal game of a series when the Kings ha- actually had a chance to take the Warriors out and couldn't, I mean that to me is that that to me is high drama and 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 millions of people agree. So uh, obviously, regular season football games are extremely well watched, but baseball has this problem. Because the playoff games are so different than the regular season games. Hockey because football has, is our national pastime. Right. Hockey has this problem. The regular season games are so different than the postseason games. College basketball is actually starting to figure this out a little bit. Uh, and I think it's in part because the season is so much shorter and more digestible. It is the conference schedule for SEC basketball, for example, is significantly shorter than any of these other sports. Hockey, NBA. It's essentially two months. Major League Baseball. Right. So I, I'm just we we know we've learned all these things. By the way, go to Jasper's to watch these games. Get the blueberry cheesecake Sunday. Let, let your kids go play in the game room. Great place to watch these games. I'm watching all weekend. But what I'm curious about is is there something that soccer is doing well because of how short the time window is? We see college football changing the rules to shorten the games. Baseball changes all the rules to make the game more snackable, digestible, and paced. Give it some more pace. Um, this is why the NBA and Adam Silver, the commissioner, has talked a lot about shortening the season. So I'm just curious if we need to like baseball, basketball, and hockey need to get together and realize how different their product is in the postseason and the regular season and try to fix it. I don't. I. I. My John Glennon in this show calls the Preds schedule mind numbing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that there's something there's something to that. The, the problem is is that is that re- the revenue that is generated, particularly on the hockey side. Uh, Someone on the NBA side, uh, and and very definitely on the baseball side, the revenue from those games uh, is is very important to to owners, and particularly with regional TV revenue tanking, um, 
you know, gate revenue from those, from those, you know, the 82 home games, you know, in a baseball season matters. It really, really matters. I mean, that's why, I mean, it's part of the reason why too, like you don't see any, any proposals for new baseball stadiums at, that are 60, 70,000 seat, seat monstrosities anymore. They're trying to build, t- yeah. they're trying to build experience at, uh, at, at the actual game and maximize, you know, those numbers at 35,000 and, and, and really try to try to pack the, the stadium on a regular basis. But we are, which by, fast- the way, but, which by the way, if you want to see what a disaster looks like, go look at the, uh, the opening games of the A's, uh, where they're being outdrawn Yikes. by their triple A, double A and single A affiliates right now. Well, and what's, we're just in a fascinating time where like, again, nobody's going to read or talk on the radio about Nashville SC, but they're all going to go to the games. You know, no one's going to watch regular season games in some of these sports, but they're all obsessed with the, the postseason product. Um, it's, we're in a really weird, fascinating time. And, and frankly, the, the, the you know ESPN's laying off seven thousand people because the rights business is no longer what it used to be. P- businesses are prioritizing football and ESPN's standpoint, NBA basketball. But other than that, there's no there's no must haves for all these broadcast partners. Like there's no must haves. They're not the the days of like these massive rights fees. I think are are right now tightening. Some of that's probably the stupid Fed's fault, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I, but 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 to your point, like, and I'm like, what we're watching this weekend? I, I'm going. I'm. Uh, I will be at the Nashville Sea game on Saturday night because that's going to be a great experience. And Chicago sucks, and I hope they're they're going to kind of like lay the wood on them. But uh, <laughs> uh, can I do can I do a complaint real quick about Nashville Sea? Sure. Before we get onto our recommendation, sure. Um, go to Jasper's. I they they got to get they need more games not at seven thirty. Okay, my five-year-old who just turned five, the only time she's been able to go to a Nashville SC game was this past Saturday. Now, thank God we saw three goals, three assists, and setups by Hani Mukhtar, and one of them right in front of our, our our seats, which was amazing. On the second goal, where he just ran the length of the field with the ball, and then you know, um, but uh, but uh, they need some they need some like two o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock. Time time slots got standardized nationally. I with, know. The, with, with the new with the new broadcast deal, and honestly. The regular under the regularity of those games means I'm watching more MLS product right now than I have before, because I know I, I know when the regular windows are, and I know when I'm going to catch a game. Because you're a it, selfish it, man who never had a little daughter. You're exactly wants, right. Who's playing soccer in her second season and loves Honey Mukhtar. They never call him just Honey or just Mukhtar. It's always the full name. Screaming at the top of their lungs, Hani Mukhtar. Hani Mukhtar might be my daughter's favorite athlete in the city. And it's not even, I'm not sure it's even close. Uh, but I got to take her to the game. We, I would I would love to see. I know that it's, for those of you who do not have children or are young and single, 7.30 on Saturday nights is perfect. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I'm I'm a selfish bastard. Yes, 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 you <laughs> yes, you are. All right, that was John Glennon, of course, of uh, of the National Post, and we do appreciate his time. I do think he is uniquely qualified to sp- to speak, and I think he kind of explained this a little bit, Steve. There's this weird middle ground between like clickbait and like experience and wisdom and analysis and and sort of background that he's got, where he can give you something snackable and digestible and quick, but also add in 25 years of experience with both the Titans and the Preds. And I think what people are going to learn 
is that the dude's going to be pretty good covering Nashville SC because he is a soccer junkie. He and, you know, Kaharski and Robbie Bourne from Titans PR, they stand on the practice field and talk about soccer the entire time the Titans are practicing. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie, <laughs> to call you out. <laughs> but they just sit there and they talk soccer. And, and so Glennon's going to do a great job covering SC. And he has a great background covering the Preds and the Titans. So I think the Post got a a great P, a great player. I'm partial, of course, being partnered with them, but I I, I think Glennon's a great fit and is going to do a great job. And I think Nashville's better off for it. So yeah, I I do too. You like it? You like it when uh, good things happen to good people? And and Glennon is Glennon is is definitely high on the list of the really good people here in town. All right, go to Jasper's. Uh, go sign up for the Post. Actually, subscribe to the Post. It's a great product. Uh, they're going to do really good work. And I I. You know, you and I both know Stephen Elliott very well, and I I love the idea of like, hey, let's do good work, and we'll we'll kind of t- pay attention to the metrics, but we're not going to be driven and and controlled by the metrics the way perhaps some other mediums might be, i.e., radio. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, quickly recommendation. You and I were talking and preparing for the show, and we were gonna t- we were hey, we're gonna talk to John Glennon, we're gonna talk about the NFL draft, we're gonna talk about this, this, and this, and then I sent you two words in a text message. I said the diplomat. And you said, what, back to me? That's going to be my recommendation. We came to this recommendation at the same time. Uh, I don't know if that's that means that we're <laughs> both middle-aged white guys. I don't know. <laughs> so so the diplomat, uh, the diplomat is a Netflix show. It stars Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell and some other people that you'll that you'll sort of recognize, but those are the those are the big two. Um Carrie Russell, who is fantastic in this, uh it she is uh, she is a career diplomat who has been named to the uh, to be the new U.S. ambassador to the U.K. Uh, and the thinking the, thinking the, that it's going to be a boring, bad post. Right. Only she wants she wants to be in she wants to be in Afghanistan. She wants to be in Kabul because that's where the action is. And she she ends up here. And what she doesn't know is that there has been a secret plan because the vice president has issues uh, and, and is probably going to be ushered aside. They're vetting her to be the vice president. So I don't, and, I, I want to talk more about that. Cause are you finished with it? Well, so, and, and the, the, but the thing I want to say is, is that, is that this kind of topic in the hands of some producers from the West Wing, which is what this is, it's very uh, Sorkin. It's very Sorkin-y, Yes, the it, the pace on it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- there was one thing. It, it's an ensemble cast. The ensemble is very important. Um, the, the the yes the the bit players that they have uh, that they have brought in, but traditionally, in when you have an ensemble cast like this, it is the tension within the ensemble within the players uh in, in front of you that is the that that is the story much more than that the 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 players here end up being the team and the tension is all external and my wife and I were talking about this there's uh, there's, pl- there's plenty of internal tension there's, there's, there's plenty of internal <laughs> tension don't don't get me wrong but i mean <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to in other shows where Typically, you would have the you would have like direct protagonists kind of kind of set up and working at cross purposes. Very much more that the core of this, uh, you know, the core five people in this end up working more as a team than than you have seen in other mm. shows. And that dynamic 
is really fascinating to me that there's all sorts of stuff that happens kind of within those five it is there's all sorts but uh, it, this tells me your comment right now tells me you're not finished oh oh, oh i know what's coming up too we're, <laughs> we're six episodes in because we're done because we're done we finished it in three days yeah i know i know we, and the only we reason we didn't days. finish in in three days is because we had some other stuff like we're we're still going to catch up on succession we're still nah. going to catch up on, on some we, other here, stuff okay okay here this is all you need to know about how much we've enjoyed it um we have not seen this week's succession because we were going to finish the diplomat first. Yeah. Like we got into it on Monday or, and it's like, no, we can't do anything on Tuesday night or Wednesday night until we're done. And we finished the whole thing in three days and we still have yet to see succession from this past week. Um, And I think succession is one of the greatest shows ever, ever made. Um, It's so hilarious. And and just, I can't stop laughing at succession, but here's what I'll say about the diplomat. Um, I, I love my favorite part of the diplomat is that they are kind of casting real life people loosely into these roles. Like the president loosely resembles the president, uh, the French president who you have not yet seen. I don't believe is Macron, but I believe might be Marie Le Pen. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, there's very clearly like an amalgamation in the British prime minister of a lot of former prime ministers. Yep. Um, so there's just, it's fascinating to watch them cast the characters and sort and because it's all based in real time, so it's post COVID, post withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's, like it's it, all it's based post, on real it, life. Post invasion of Ukraine too, yes, because that yes. comes up a lot. It's uh, the Ukraine Russia thing is this is central to the to the to the story, frankly. So it's it's set in real time, which is really cool. There's there's two things about it that I just absolutely love. The first is that it, is that it's one of the few shows that handles uh, intelligence. Uh, gathering and 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 use of intelligence uh, in more than just a than, than more than just a, a, a kind of a, a a prop sort of sort of fashion. Uh, they they really sort of delve into what makes something good intelligence or not. And and but the the CIA and, station and, chief in London is a huge character. Yeah, and, so. and, which by the way, fantastic actress. Yeah, Her name's good. escaping me right now. She, absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic actress. Um. And the second thing is, uh, I, I knew we were going to watch this show, even if it sucked for eight episodes, <laughs> because because uh, it's Carrie Russell, and because it's Carrie Russell, you knew it wouldn't suck. Yeah, she um, she is not she is not aged a bit. <laughs> oh my god! So at, at one point, and and there's the, there's this kind of running bit because her role as ambassador in the UK involves a lot of ceremonial stuff, and she she really wants to be you know, kind of hands-on ambassador state department kind of person. And the, so there's this tension of all this. And so she's, she's dressed a lot in, in like these kind of really formal situations. And at, at one point in, at one point in one scene, my wife looks up and goes, God, she's still got a great ass. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And, um... and, 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 and at, at which point, <laughs> at which point, I looked over at her as if to comment on something, and she goes, "You're not allowed to comment yeah, on that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. That's not fair. Um, no, it's it, she. She is. She look. She is excellent at governing. Terrible at campaigning, which is why she's gonna. Which is why they want her for the VP office. Okay, that's enough talk on one show. Go watch the Diplomat. It's it is spectacular. Show. My only final comment is: Is it inappropriate to have a crush on a couple? That is my only comment, uh, and I have no problem saying that on the air because. Uh, you you watch the you watch that couple and you're like, holy shit, these people are on a different platform. <laughs> Ruf, Rufus Sewell, charismatic guy. That's the husband. That's the husband. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They, they are they, they are he one is, of the 
powerest of power couples I've ever seen in a TV show. It's awesome. There, there's, there's a great episode about halfway through where he is having a conversation with the with, with the sister of the of the British um, of, of the British foreign minister, and like call that, that con- you call that a conversation, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was many things, uh, <laughs> but the conversation itself <laughs> was just like it was just absolutely fantastic the writing in this thing is just great and you 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 walk out of that scene you're, and you're just like that is that is a charismatic motherfucker steve uh you're being a downer you're telling everybody about the show don't be a downer uh, somehow it, somehow i attract downers in my life everyone will get all of these things <laughs> everyone will get all of these references go watch the show the diplomat it is great thanks to john glennon for joining us go to jaspers everybody watch playoff hockey and and playoff basketball um and uh enjoy your weekend otherwise uh, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Did I mention Jaspers? Go to Jaspers, everybody. For Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Golf. Thanks for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.